1: Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate?
0: Hi, and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, I'm joined by David Ditchfield to radiate self-love. I've been giddy excited about this interview. Uh, David had a horrible, um, a horrific train accident, was dragged under a train, and as you can imagine, was very traumatic, and um, as a result, had a near-death experience that was also very transformative and actually completely changed David's life, gave him new abilities and new insights that were previously unknown. Uh, Welcome, David. I am so happy to have you here.
2: Thanks for having me along. Great to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you. I've been so excited about this. And of course, you've written a book that I do want to talk about um, after we talk a bit about your experience, but your book is Shine On and it's due to come out uh, june twenty sixth is that that's correct? right
2: yeah yeah so yeah a couple of weeks now
0: <laughs> june twenty sixth twenty twenty and it yeah. will be available uh, wherever fine books are sold as they say, and I do want to touch on that but um, so first of all i don't even know where to start really I guess we could just start with your life before this accident yeah and i've been reading your book mm-hmm. your your prospects were not glowing I suppose you could say that's right yeah (laughs) what was your life like
2: before this well I mean I mean basically I'd I'd left school without any qualifications uh, because I'm dyslexic actually and I didn't I wasn't diagnosed with that when I was at school so I was treated as lazy and (laughs) and (laughs) uncooperative which was not true at all actually but uh, so but having that label around your shoulders is quite a big one and you carry it through life so I moved down to London and and uh you know, I was I was living in London for some time and obviously like all capital cities it's very competitive and an expensive place to live. Um, and the only kind of work I could really pick up was was mainly um well mostly manual labouring and uh, which was great there was a, I met some amazing people who are really skilled at their work and and I wasn't so I wasn't fitting in there either I was just suddenly realized oh my like, goodness what where do I fit in because this is not even this is not working for me you know and uh so um yeah and, and um my life was really kind of, I was just chasing after all the wrong goals as well to try and fix my life I think uh, is the best way of putting it and uh I, I was Drinking quite heavily, uh, it has to be said. Um, a lot of that was due to the fact that the way of picking up work was basically going to the, to the local bar, to the local pub, and you go there each evening and hang out and try and hustle work off the guys who ran the sites, you know, and you'd end up spending all your day's wages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, that's another story. But, um, yeah, so things were just going pretty pretty bad for me, to be honest with you, up until the point of my accident so yeah
0: and then before your accident um you had an amazing amazing experience Mm. at the spiritualist church
2: oh that's right yeah yeah that that was interesting actually because spirituality uh, hadn't really entered my life at all you know I didn't really think about it as I say I was just trying to live by the day as it were and I wasn't really I didn't think about death or the afterlife or spirituality but it was by chance I was on the train going up to visit my sister and her family who live in Cambridge and um I was on the way up and uh there was a an elderly couple sat opposite me and uh the lady there got chatting to me just about you know where, where's the next station on you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and then she said oh we're, we're off to see a medium tonight I went okay and uh She was quite insistent on talking about this. She said, she's very good. She said, she's absolutely the best. And I was going, fantastic, you know. And then she handed me this flyer, like a small poster. I said, here, take this. And I said, no, no. She said, no, take it. So I folded it up, put it in my pocket and uh, forgot all about it. And when I arrived at my sister's house, there was quite a lot of mayhem going on at the time because you got young young boys at the time and she was looking after them. So I said, look, I'm going to go and have a drink, go to the local bar, which I did. And as I sat there, I pulled this flyer out of my pocket and looked at it. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to go and find out what this is about. You know, And uh, I was curious, you know and uh, so I went but only curious from the point of view that from the show I thought it'd be a good show not kind of wow this is a spiritual opening for me anyhow it was the the event took place at a a local spiritualist church a beautiful little church and uh, I walked through the door and it was packed and uh, I I got myself a seat sat down on my own and um, this lady came out called Julia Knight who was this brilliant she was a brilliant medium and uh, she was just like pacing backwards and forwards and picking up these messages it seemed from somewhere else and talking to these she was going yeah 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 okay i've got it you know it was all like this and uh, very animated and she was brilliant picking out people and saying you know, you know picking up relatives who passed on that people had come to find out about their loved ones and um, and then she suddenly turned around and said gentleman the, over there in the blue sweater um I went, oh, that's me, Colin. <laughs> and uh, she said, yes, she said, your life is about to change. And I went, okay. And I okay. said, well, "I said, yeah, in, in what way? And she said, and she started talking again to these guys. And she said, um, they're not telling me. They're not telling me. They're just saying it's going to be very big and be ready for it. I went, oh, right. So <laughs> clearly, In my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to win the lottery. You know, I'm going to get the girl that I was after and have that wonderful relationship and live happily ever after, you know. So all those thoughts were going through my head, but that wasn't the case at all. And um, I later realized that the big change in my life was about to be something completely different.
0: (laughs) Very, very different. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so this was, I think you said 2014?
2: 2006 yeah
0: 2006 oh that was a long time ago I
2: know yeah well because of my dyslexia that's why it's taken me a while to get around to writing this book (laughs) but I'm there (laughs) I've done it and it's coming out (laughs) (laughs) well
0: you've done just an admirable job I like I should say I've been looking through an advanced copy of it and just I like how you tell the story you jump forward you circle back it's a bit jumping around because I'm sure that's how it unfolds in your mind. It's like, well, wait a minute, this happened, but then there was this, but then we have to go back and explain why, why that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting way to tell the story, but it's very effective. Um, And of course this accident happened. I couldn't help but notice it was um, 2006 kind of because of a girl.
2: (laughs) Well, she was part of the story, yeah, you know, and uh, just like everything is, you know, I now realise that synchronicity is all part of our, you know, of our journey. And I'd met I'd met this girl only a couple of weeks prior to the accident and the near-death experience itself. And so what happened was I was, um, I'd... Um, we d- we just kind of it was a chance meeting in a, in a bar, funny enough, and then, and uh, she was in there and we got chatting and, we, and I, we just had this connection and it was this really lovely connection, and we just got it, you know. And um, what had happened was, roll forward a few months after I'd been to to the uh, spiritualist church for that medium appointment, um, I, things had gone r- rapidly downhill, um, and my sister said, look you're in a pretty bad way. I think you need to come and stay with us and get out of London. And I was broke by then. I couldn't pay my bills or anything. So off I went, packed my bags. So I was staying there for a couple of weeks, which was lovely and hanging out with her family. And this friend who I'd met, uh, called Anna, um, said, can I come and see you? I said, yeah, sure. So she came up for a couple of days and we had a really beautiful time together. And then she had to get back to London. So I, I went to the train station to see her off and, uh, when we arrived at the station, I helped her on the carriage with her bags and gave her a hug and a kiss. And uh, then we heard the emergency buzzers going for the doors to close. And she was going, come on, you've got to get off. I was going, yeah, 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 I'm going to worry. And so I stepped back, and as I did, the bottom corner of my coat, because it, it was a February day, a cold day, uh, got trapped in the closing doors, the automatic doors and, and I just, I was there on the platform. I just couldn't free it. I just tugged really hard and nothing was happening. So I looked around to see, you know, look for a guard on the platform and there was no one there, nobody at all. In fact, there was just one other guy and he said, take your coat off, mate, take it off. And uh, that just wasn't going to happen because it was like a very thick quality coat. And I just thought there's no way it's going to just slip off. So um, anyhow, um then I realized I thought this, I'm not getting, the, the, the engine started to rev up at that point. And I remember just hitting, banging on the windows, hoping that a guard would come run, running through on the actual train itself. But that didn't happen either. And I was just shouting for help and everything. And I just looked into the eyes of, of this girl, Anna, and, and the, you know, we just looked at each other and I just thought, this is it. I'm going to die. I didn't think I was going to survive because I knew I wasn't going to get free. So... Um, the trains just started pulling out the station and uh, at terrific speed. It's amazing. You don't realise just how fast they accelerate. You know, when you're sat on a train, you don't think about it, but they really do. And I could feel the gears going through one by one and then I lost my footing eventually. And then I was dragged along the platform and then through the space of the platform edge and the actual train itself. And then I was just pulled under. and uh, Yeah. <laughs> and then I was just it was like going into like this other world, which is really a horrible one, a really dark and frantic and uh, it was all very violent. I was tossed around, you know, and banged around all over the place. And it was just, uh, you know, it was just, it was just really, I was completely conscious throughout this whole ordeal as well. So it was very frightening. Oh
0: my goodness. Uh, I can't even imagine. I'm sure time felt like it was just slowing down so much. And yeah. yeah, Oh my goodness. I can't even, you deal with a fair amount of PTSD from this still too.
2: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, it's just uh, one thing I realized from all this, and even my, my consultant said to me at the time that there's only so much that we know about the brain and the body and how it all works. And I really don't think that, you know, the human mind and body, should be subjected to something as violent and as horrific as that and survive it, you know? So ultimately you are going to have this kind of post-traumatic stress disorder, which, which it does, it does stay with you, you know? So I've, I've had to deal with that, but I've, I've, you know, I went for quite a lot of therapy which, which I totally believe. I love, you know, therapy is fantastic. I've, all, I've had all different types of therapy, but it's, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's inevitable really. It right. happens to, uh, to all of us.
0: Yeah. well in in addition to the trauma of course the physical yeah. trauma the emotional trauma the mental trauma um, your body suffered just so much trauma yeah. what was the extent of your injuries
2: well um the the main thing that I suffered from the worst was 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 my my left arm um, uh, was um, severed from the elbow down so that that was kind of that was pretty horrible it was severed? That, that was it was just—it was just kind of cut from you know uh, from the elbow down, and, and uh, it, it, there was still part of it was just still attached, so they were able to save it. In fact, when I arrived in the hospital, I begged them to save my arm, and thankfully they did. But um but yeah, uh, so that was the main extent of the injury. But I mean, I was I was laid out in flat in hospital for you know for weeks. I couldn't move. But um, yeah, so um,
0: that's amazing.
2: It's amazing, but I, but I but in all fairness, it's still a miracle that I didn't not only suffer worst injuries but actually die because uh, the the rail police, the national rail police, did a big inquiry on the whole accident. You know, because it was quite a biggie, and uh, you know they actually took the carriage down to London and stripped it, the doors right down to the last rivet. They told me, and when they finished their inquiries, which was a year later, they actually said to me, "Look." we're all banging our heads together still because we all think you should not have survived that. We don't understand it. Well, we've done all our maths and you should be dead. And, and I said, well, I know. And I thought, should I tell him? <laughs> no. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so something more powerful than me uh, actually saves me that day and, and, and saved my life, and, you know, right. which I went on to learn a bit more about as time went on
0: yeah so let's talk let's talk about let's dive into this so you
2: um
0: you have these horrific injuries Mm -hmm. you should have died honestly right you should have been mashed to a pulp um and then so but the result of that is in hospital then you did have a near-death experience
2: that's right yeah um they when they got me off the track and Threw me, well, they threw me they got me to the back end an ambulance and then they we went soaring down the highway and then we arrived and I remember arriving just seeing, seeing this kind of like semicircle of doctors and medics all waiting for me and then they just got to work on me and uh, because of my the, my arm injury especially <laughs> I was losing copious amounts of blood you know so there's a lot of blood loss at that point. And, um, my family had arrived pretty soon after I had it, which is amazing how quickly they got there. So it, that was all seemed quite surreal that they were there. I thought, wow, you know, the consultant said, look, your family are here. And I went, oh, right, you know. So they came in and um, and also my friend Anna was there as well, which is great because I, I, all I wanted to do was touch base with her because I knew what she, we'd just been through something together, basically, you know, she'd been there and she'd watched me go under and everything. I just wanted to check.
0: Oh, how traumatic. She was okay. You know,
2: oh. I, was so, I was just so concerned for her. Yeah, exactly. It was you know, because, well, she assumed that I was, I'd actually, I was dead as well, you know. Right. Um. Anyhow, so I was in the hospital and, and I was just lying there and chatting to my, talking to my family were coming over. My mum was in tears, you know, and, uh, and I was actually apologising to her. I was going, "Mom, it's always me causing all the dramas in this family because it always was. You know? And she was going, don't stop, you know, don't apologise and stuff. Um, you know, It's not your fault, which it wasn't my fault. But, you know, anyway, at, at, so it was that point in the emergency department that I suddenly left my body and um, I left all the agony that I was in and, and all the high you know, volume of noise and lighting and stuff. And I went to this beautiful, dark, but it felt like a lovely, warm, dark room at first, you know, and I was just lying there. And I, instead of being on the the hospital trolley, I looked around and I was lying on this huge kind of slate rock. It was like a big medieval altar. And I thought, wow, what is this? You know, where am I? And, and it just felt really comfortable to lie on. You wouldn't think so, you know, but I was just lying there. And I suddenly realised it at that point as well that, I was not clothed anymore um, because I looked to check out my injuries and stuff, and everything was intact. You know, there was no no cuts, bruises, scars, or severed arms or anything. My arm was back in place, and I was lying there. My whole body looked very peaceful, and I thought, and I just laid back, and um, I suddenly looked around me, and there were all these beautiful pulsating colors all around me. They were like orbs that were just slowly pulsating, just all around. And uh, that came, kept me very calm, you know, uh, because I just figured at that stage that, that I'd passed on. I thought, this is it. This is the next stage, you know, that I'd die. You died.
0: did have this this consciousness realization that, okay, I'm not in my body anymore.
2: Yeah, well, I felt like I was still in my body, but I just felt like, but I wasn't, I knew that I wasn't in, in, in the, the earth <laughs> plane, as it were. I wasn't back in the hospital. I was—I knew I was somewhere else, completely in another sphere, and and I just assumed that this was death, you know, that I'd gone because there was, you know, at that point there was every chance that I was going to die. So, so, but I was totally acceptance of it, you know. There was no kind of like sense of of shock or it, there was a total sense of calm and acceptance about the whole thing, and and it felt right. It felt like uh, for the first time in my life that I had arrived in in a place where I felt like me and felt I could accept myself for once for the first time. And, uh, it was, it was a wonderful feeling. And, uh, then I started to, I felt there was a presence uh, uh, with me that was nearby and I looked at my feet and then I suddenly saw this, um, beautiful, uh, like an androgynous being that was just stood at my feet, uh, with this, kind of pure white blonde hair and this sort of alabaster skin and just kind of, you know, and this this amazing sort of warmth coming from and reassurance coming from this being. And uh, I just felt, wow, just, I, I know you and I've known you for a long time, haven't I? And I just felt this connection, like we'd known each other for all my life and beyond, you know, we were like, it was like my soulmate. It was like, wow, wow who are you? And I just felt so protected. And this being was just kind of looking at me and smiling with this, uh, like a sort of knowing, protecting smile. And I just kind of laid my head back and smiled. And as I laid back, then I looked up and there were like three grids of light suddenly uh, above me and uh, kind of closing in slowly. And that the light that was coming from there was just like a pure white light and it was like a healing light basically and uh, and I couldn't take my gaze away from it because it was such a beautiful light and it's interesting because it's, it was so bright that normally you wouldn't be able to look at that kind of light here on earth like sunlight or, or electric light, you know, it, just, it would be too bright but with this you could and you didn't want to look away from it And um, and so I was just feeling this sense of love was suddenly embracing the whole of me and uh and at that point i realized that there were two other beings uh either side of me uh, a female form um one was kind of like sort of um sort of brown hair sort of sort of green eyes and uh was healing with her hands going over my body and then another uh girl who was to the to the left and she was more of um uh, either Asian Indian or American Indian um, sort of form, but uh, really beautiful as well. And uh, and uh, she just the, the the love that was coming from their hands was just—it was like this unconditional love which was just transforming and going through. I could feel it coming through every single part of my body, you know. Uh, although interestingly enough, it didn't feel like they were actually healing my body. It was more like they were healing my soul. You know, it's like my soul was being healed. And it wasn't just from the accidents; it was just through years of of self-loathing and and feeling like a failure, and all that was just dis- dis- dispersing from me, um, from my whole soul. You know that that feeling, and I just felt great. And uh, <laughs> and it was interesting actually because one of the things that I, just, I always carried around with me was guilt as well. Like I said, you with my mother in the hospital. You know that I always felt that it was me. me creating havoc um, so as I lay there I suddenly thought oh my family are going to be completely beside themselves now because clearly I'm dead and they're going to be stood over my dead body and they're going to be distraught but I didn't feel the same sense of guilt or or even sort of like oh my goodness you know it was just a sort of real calm I'll see if I can see them so uh, I looked over my left over the over the side of this huge rock that was on the the slate rock and uh, hoping to see them in the hospital but I didn't see them at all Um, uh, but what I did see was this beautiful incredible sight and it was like a remarkable uh, waterfall of stars uh, uh, that were just cascading over the edge and just slowly dropping down with shooting stars falling through the middle and as I looked down I thought wow you know it was just um, the light was intense and and it, but the light went from white; it was disappearing into other galaxies of different colours, you know. And so, and it seemed like it was just going into infinity. You know, there was no end to it at all. The further, the more I looked, the further I could see. And so, of course, by that point, I realised that I wasn't—I wasn't actually in a darkened room whatsoever. I was just—I was literally in the universe itself, because you know I, that's where I was. <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, it was—it was really quite beautiful and uh i just i just kind of turned my head over and i thought to myself again there was no sense of guilt i just thought oh well i'll be seeing my family they'll, they'll be coming up here soon and they're going to be experiencing what i'm experiencing uh, experiencing now so everything's going to be fine you know there was no sense of like oh dear you know so it was great and uh so as i did roll over i just kind of suddenly felt like this Another energy that was getting very intense that felt like it was just closing in on me, and I looked, and then I could see this was the most amazing sight. There was this huge tunnel of white light was just kind of slowly closing in, coming very close. And this tunnel of white light was just surrounded by like flames that were circulating around. You know, beautiful colors of oranges and yellows and reds, and, and but. There were dramatic flames, but again, they weren't frightening. You know, there just nothing. There was no sense of fear or anything whatsoever, and I didn't feel any fear from this. I just felt an absolute excitement because the energy coming from it was just like was what I'd been feeling up until that point, but by tenfold. The the love that was coming from that was really intense, and I could, it was almost like every molecule of my body was just kind of almost like shaking with this feeling and um, and I immediately knew at that point that this this was the source of all creation you know this was God this was uh, you know this is where it all comes from this is it's not the the image of God that that I've been used to seeing before you know on the Sistine Chapel or whatever you know this is this is it's it's a white tunnel of huge light and flames and, and and energy So, um, yeah. So, and then, you know, I, I laid back and pretty much at that point, I was just, as I laid back, I was just full of all this joy. And then I suddenly was came crashing back down to the hospital and I was back to earth, you know, and I was back in my body and, and straight back into the, into the pain threshold and, and and all the noise and the light. and It was like, Whoa, wow. You know, (laughs) so, uh, yeah.
0: How how long, all told, do you feel like that experience lasted? It sounds like it hours, but yeah it's,
2: yeah, it's interesting because it's it's a, a few people have asked me that, and and it and the, the truth is there's there's no sense of time at all. There's no because there's no sense of worry or urgency or anything. You're not thinking about time. Time doesn't exist, and it, and it, it so it's it's it felt infinite, really. You know, and it just it just felt like you know, everything was just slowly falling into place and, and everything happened just as it was meant to be. And, you know, and I was just, I, I realised as I looked back that I, I was learning an awful lot. I was being given a lot of telepathic messages and, 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 and uh, knowledge, you know, while I was there. And, you know, like, like, for example, realizing straight away that the tunnel of the white light was, was the source of all creation, which I firmly believe still now, you know, uh, you know, if I, if I pray the uh, really hard, that's what I, I focus on, you know, because that's what I feel it. That's where I feel it all, all stems. So
0: were you raised in a spiritual tradition? Did that? Uh... No,
2: not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> well interestingly enough I was at first actually because both my, my parents uh, were uh, were Christian and they went to church each Sunday and when I was little you know I, I went along with my brother and sister and we went as a family and interestingly enough I never felt comfortable and I didn't like being at church and I just didn't get it and I just didn't it, I didn't connect at all with, with any of the faith and I it just went straight over my head and and I didn't really feel comfortable with the whole thing, you know. And so my my, my parents were really quite liberal, and they said, "Okay, like, you don't have to do this; you can stay at home." So I used to sit at home, you know, um, at <laughs> when I was younger. And so, so I was not anti-religion, but it, it was kind of like because I would had a, a, young, a young experience of it, uh, it 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 made me cut off from it. It didn't, you know. So there was no sense of um, of believing in God or or thinking about God even you know like, like when I was going through my toughest times my hardest times I when I hit the real rock bottom uh, that that was the one point it, when I prayed because I was just desperate but it was a point of desperation and um, I didn't even know who I was praying to or what I was praying to but I just it was just like, please, whoever's there, whoever, whatever you are, please, I need your help, you know. And it was just kind of like a fear. So that even at that point, I didn't really think, right, I'm praying to God now or, or to Christ or spirit or anything like that. Yeah. And so, so it was all this, again, was a massive life turnaround for me because, you know, I was given that knowledge instantly and, and that instant hit of, of faith. You know,
0: and so that so did that change your view about faith? How did it change uh, your view about faith?
2: Yeah, it did. Do um, it's it changed it's, it's changed immensely. Actually, yeah. I mean, I, I firstly, I believe in the power of prayer now because I I, I experienced that. Um, and it, there's a really interesting story, and in that was um, as the train had moved on, eventually. <laughs> And I was left lying in, in, the, in between the tracks, you know. Um, my friend Anna was frantically trying to find someone to stop the train, you know, because that's the first thing you'd want to do. And they and she, they found a ticket guard or whatever, you know, and he he, he alerted the, he pulled the lever or whatever, you know. And they stopped in the middle of the countryside. And um, her, she run through the carriage and saw me go under, so she believed I was dead. And uh, so she turned around and said um, to this carriage where they were sat in this, um, this trained with commuters she said um my friend's just gone under the train would you mind if we say a prayer for him and then she said "A, a, um, a lady stepped forward and said look i'm a christian would you like me to take the prayers and she said yeah please so she told me that she took these prayers and she said that it was incredible she said everyone put down their laptops and their newspapers all these people commuting from offices and stuff and they all prayed for me and you know what? I felt, I felt it when she told me that. I said, I felt those prayers. And my mum told me as well that a lot of the local churches around, because it was, it was all over the local news that i had gone under this train. That she said, my mum said that a lot of people have been praying for you in, the ch- in churches. I said, I know. I've been feeling it, you know. So prayers are really a very powerful thing. So you know, so my faith is very, very much. I mean, it's not something like. You know, uh, it's a very personal thing, I guess. You know, I mean, it's like I don't go to, I don't really go to church as such, uh, but I do go to my spiritualist church um, for spiritual (laughs) healing. But but in saying that, that's my way of touching base uh, as well with with uh, with God and and all the creators and all the ones who saved me, you know, all my guides, basically. So, yeah
0: yeah that spiritualist church seems to have really um been instrumental in your journey you know? yeah
2: well I was I was very keen to find it again uh, after what had happened I, I, because I was basically because I wanted to try and f- track down that medium <laughs> I wanted to find her I, I thought I've got to I've got to tell her what's happened I'm going to say look you know and uh, it took me a while to, to, to trace it, but um so I, I, I couldn't even find the church. I couldn't even remember where it was. And um, I was recovering at my sister's for, when I came out of the hospital for quite some time. And she used to sort of walk me into town when went to the river once I was able to get outside. And we used to go to the river. And one day we were walking back from the river after feeding the swans or whatever. And uh, we walked through this like passageway. And I said, there it is. There's, that's the place. There's the doorway. Because it's a very simple it doesn't look like a church. It's just literally a doorway in a Victorian building, you know? And, uh, and so I said, I'm going in. And there was a service literally on as we walked past, you know, so I walked in there and, um, and it was great because, you know, they knew who I was from the news footage. And also I got all this stuff that was like all this plastic holding my arm together at that point. So I went in and, and uh, I'd had a coffee afterwards and stuff and uh, they got, chatting to me and, and it was brilliant because they got it straight away when i talked about i started talking about my near-death experience and uh, they go oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah we, we know about near-death experiences and it was, it was lovely it was like affirmation i didn't need confirmation but it was nice to find somewhere where i could talk to people who,
0: people who got it
2: who got it, you know and you felt at home with it so it was great
0: and then you went back for for some healing sessions as well
2: that's right yeah um right at the end of that service um somebody came over to me one of the healers and uh um a lovely german lady called maria and she said um you look like you could do some healing and she said we don't normally invite people because we like people to come of their own accord but we do spiritual healing if on thursday evenings and i said oh great yeah i'll come so uh, and at that healing that I was receiving was like incredible because it actually helped me with my physical recovery. I was, I was going at tenfold once I started spiritual healing. And it was quite funny because, you know, I'd be going back into, you know, uh, appointments with my consultant and he'd be saying, wow, you're healing really quick. This is incredible. You know, you're doing really well. And I started saying, yeah, well, you know why? And then I started telling him, and of course, he's a scientist and he was like, We built up a good rapport, but you know that was he he was going yeah okay. As if to say that don't tell me anymore. (laughs) But uh,
0: right, but we understand the power of spiritual healing. Of course, the power of energy mm. healing—it's huge. Oh
2: yeah,
0: we're energetic beings. So yeah. Of course
2: it works. So you and know about it then yourself, yeah. Oh
0: okay. yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. a Reiki master and a healer is and I know that that you know when we allow the body to relax, the body knows how to heal itself very, very well. We just have to let it. And then, you know, when we make the space for it, it it can happen. So I don't doubt the power of your story at all. <laughs> and you've really you kept your arm. You you live. Not only did you live, but you kept your
2: <laughs> arm. I
0: yeah, and you have use of it, not maybe got full use, but you do have use uh, of
2: it. Yeah, it's remarkable, actually, yeah. Um, when I went th- when they took me through into theatre, I, I said, look, can, can you keep my arm, please, you know, I don't, you know and uh, I, I said I play guitar, which I didn't play guitar that well, actually. It was just like, you know, basic three-chord wonder stuff, but I still, you know, I, I said I want to carry on doing that, you know. So, yeah, yeah, you're yeah,
0: in a I'll punk band.
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, it was important to me, and uh, so he he stuck. He said, "I will," and he stuck to his word. And he, he did tell me afterwards, like about, you know, a couple of months later, that you know that would, they would have amputated. You know, immediately, it would have been a normal thing to have done because it was pretty much beyond repair. But he's bless him. You know, he just started working at the hospital literally at that point. And I think he took me on as being like his kind of like, wow, this is his, his case study. You know, it was like one of his first big jobs was, was this guy going the training. So, and so he, they, they took three major operations to save it, you know, and they, they had to kind of like, you know, because there was still, some of the tendons were still there that they could save that were still attached. So, so yeah. And, and, uh, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even when once they put it all back together. I mean, I couldn't use my my hand, you know, my fingers at all. You know, they just they were just gripped into a, into a fist, you know, because all the tendons are tightened up. But I had this. I was also looking meeting this really wonderful um, occupational therapist called Sarah, and uh, she was again. She was really took to, to my story in my case and we just got on really well and we in fact we're, we're still friends now because she she's retired from the job but so she means she can retain a friendship with me outside of the hospital so so she's in the book she's there she's great so but she was like very much a part of getting me to really stick at it you know really working at it to try and get my fingers open and manipulate and get them to work again and and stuff so yeah so it's i've got so much to thank for them i mean i'm laughing earlier about me talking about spirituality and healing to, to my consultant but i've got without my consultant and without all the science of, of the, their knowledge i wouldn't be here chatting to you now because you know to me they 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 were able to save me with it with all their science and so the two work hand in hand very much so you know.
0: So uh, I I just have to ask what is what is a consultant? I don't know that we have that term here in the states. Oh
2: sorry yeah do you know what this this happens sometimes doesn't it? We, we have different words that, that, that I always right. fit in yeah. It's basically a surgeon. It's it's like oh. the kind of it's like the but it's I don't know whether it's the same in the states but here you know the surgeon is basically they're in charge of you and your whole case, you know, kind of like he was like, like he was in charge of, he said to me he was going to get the best bones uh, uh, surgeon in to come and actually fix the bones in my arm uh, together. And, and there's all steel holding it together. But, you know, because it was completely shattered. You know, he said that he's, when I saw the ex- right it was just like this piece of metal going on my arm it looked like a, all these pebbles and that was basically my arm you know so they, and but this guy was one of the best in the country and they he said oh, i'm going to get him he's the only one who can do this and he did and he did a fantastic right. job so so yeah basically so the consultants are yeah the, the, the head surgeons who, who are in right. charge of you
0: right and you and you did become something of a local celebrity i mean everybody turned out to be on team david right and um they, th- there was even reform among the, the train company, the transit mm. authority, right?
2: Yeah, it, yeah. The, major, uh,
0: major changes.
2: That's right, yeah, which is that was the, one of the great things to come out of that. And I didn't even realise it. I was watching um, our late night BBC News at uh, 10 o'clock and it's like the main news, you know, and it just came on and then and I just saw the flashback where they go through the, the events that are coming up on the news bulletins and they just said, oh, um, you know, the, the British Rail Police, whatever they're called. They're not, they don't have a name like you know, BFI whatever, you know. And they said they've, they've come up with um, six major changes um, on the, on the rail Network. And I thought, oh, well, so us have a look at this, you know. And I watched it, and then they, they interviewed this guy, you know, who was the head of the Rail Police. And he said, yeah, this is following uh, an accident a year ago that we, we did a, you know, we had to investigate where a man went under a train. And so they changed six major points you know and you know one of them was you know stopping those the, the nobody would be able to if they got their coat caught in the doors that would never happen now that they would get trapped and so they would be able to release it the doors would open automatically and also just things like you know there's so many alarm buttons and levers and everything above the doors inside that my friend Anna said that she couldn't reach half them because you know she she's not that tall but also not only that she said that um you stand there when you're in shock, when, you, you know, when you're panicking, and all you see is all these signs saying, do not press this. If you pull that, you get 100-pound fine. And it, it's, you think, know, which one can I push? Which one is it? Which is? So now they've just got this one big red button. It's kind of like press. You know what I mean? It's a simple equation. So th- there's lots of different things. So I kind of smile to myself now whenever I you know, do get on a train. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, um, so
0: you do get on trains now?
2: Yep, I do. I had a lot of therapy to get there, but I was determined because uh, I was told at first I wouldn't be able to drive again. Um, and so I figured, oh, well, I'm just going to be... But well, oh, I, did I didn't realise that. That was just a temporary thing, really. And then I am... Um, but anyway, at that point, I was just feeling like I, I can't just just not be able to get anywhere. So I, I had a lot of therapy to help me get back to the station I couldn't even get into get get to the station. I, going into the car park itself outside was was a massive thing for me. And then eventually, we did it stage by stage. Got me on the platform. Then eventually, I got on the train. And then now I can do it. Yeah,
0: wonderful. And so I have to ask because I'm also a spiritual medium and talk to angels, all that type of stuff. Did you like like ask the those guides who met you in the near death experience for help with this? Did they? Continue helping you with some of this PTSD and some of the healing that you're aware of.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I'm fully aware of, of them being with me at all times. Yeah, and I connect with them um, a lot. In fact, you know, and I, it's it's something. Come on, you're going to say something.
0: Yeah, now, yeah. How do you connect with them?
2: Yeah. Um, right. Well. I, I Sometimes it's through telepathy, and sometimes it's actually through talking to them. I'll actually turn, talk out loud. Yeah, if, if if something happens where I know that they've just done something, to, where, where they've given me a sign they're there, I'll just literally go, hi, thank you, thank you so much. And if something's gone well that I've been praying for and asking for their help on, I just turn around and thank them, you know. I say, thank you so much. You know, it's just you know to me guides are there to help you it's not like you know the old days of feeling like you know praying you know you've got to feel like i mean i'm humble when i if i pray for their help I'm, i'm humble but only out of respect because i would in the same way as i would respect say yourself if you were healing me and helping me then i'd respect you you know so it's in that same way it's not like in a sort of like I am not not worthy and all stuff like that. You know, I'm just a mere mortal. I just kind of talk to them and and connect with them because I know that they want to help. They just want to give as much to all of us. And and I believe and know that we've all got our own guides. And uh, I wish I'd known this before because it's something that we should just feel free to try and connect with them because uh, they, they want to help us. You know, my guides have been there throughout my whole life previous. They didn't suddenly arrive at that point. That's what I realized. I just hadn't known it. And if I'd known it, I, I'm sure my life would have been a lot more bearable up until then. And So now it is. But, yeah, so, so I, you know, I connect with them. And, you know, I just there's little signals, little things that I've got to know that they're there. And um, they help me creatively as well, So, uh, uh, yes. which is something else that happened. You know.
0: Well, yes, we need to talk about that. Sure, because some really amazing things came out of this near death experience. Um, so su- I call them superpowers. I mean, reading your story, you got these super amazing
2: superpowers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what developed after your accident,
2: right? Well, um the starting point was was literally as I came f- through from the first anesthetics from the first operation. I was lying there on my own. They'd like, given me my own room in the hospital. And I was lying there in the dark with this little R2D2 machine bleeping next to me, you know. <laughs> we were both together lying there. And part of me was like thinking, wow, you know, the, the, where, the, where have I just been with that that amazing place I went to? That was incredible. Part of me was in, dealing with the shock of what had happened with the accident so I was was just kind of it was all sorry
0: did you did you miss it like once you left did you just like yearn to be back there
2: no I didn't do that's interesting everyone says that to me I, I didn't not at all because I felt like uh I'd come back for a reason I felt like I didn't know what it was so all I could sense was right why did they send me back I've got to find out why I've come back. And, I've, and there's, there's clearly a reason. So I was very keen to find out really, first of all, what that was. And secondly, I was very keen to record what I'd seen because I was so scared of of losing, of forgetting it or, or getting missing some detail because it was such a big thing. I, I figured at that point that I was the only person that it had ever happened to because I'd never heard of near-death experiences before. So I thought... It was just me who'd had this and that was it. So I thought, how am I going to tell the world? They all need to know that, that that there's an afterlife.
1: Did you know that Radiate Wellness has a subscription-based premium content Facebook group? Think of it like the premium version of this free podcast. In this premium Facebook group, you can find great content like replays of online classes, meditations on angels, chakras, mindfulness and more, guest speakers, mini classes, polls, plus you'll be the first to know of guests that we have scheduled for the podcast and can submit questions for them. You get all of this great content for one low monthly price and the first month is half off. You can subscribe by going to radiatewellnesscommunity.com shop. Click the subscriptions button and you're in. Also, while I have your attention, wherever you're listening to this free podcast, if you could just do us a couple of favors, please. One is go to hit the subscribe or follow button. Then you'll be notified of all of the episodes we have coming out each week. Also, please rate and review. It sounds really simple, but it helps us to grow our audience when people are looking for great podcasts. And when we grow our audience, we can do bigger and better things, and bring you even more great guests. So please do those couple of things, and that will help us grow this audience and this podcast. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Um, you felt when you came back, you felt like you wanted to paint this experience.
2: That's right. Yeah. Um, because... Had you painted before? No, not at all. I mean, I, I was. I was always. You know, interested in drawing and stuff when I was younger, but I, because of my lack of, um, as I said when I was at school, feeling like like a bad bad boy, and yeah. and not getting any qualifications, I couldn't go onto art school or anything like that because you need yeah. to have qualifications, and so I, I'd never really followed it up. But it didn't matter because at this stage I thought, right, I've got to I've got to do come what may. I'm just it was like I just again it was like this telepathy telling me I'm going to paint. What I'd seen. And that's the best way to describe it to everyone is by doing a huge canvas.
0: Wow. And in your book, you talk about that scene from Close Encounters of the Third Kind with Richard Dreyfus, where he builds the devil's tower, yes. doesn't know why, and all these he's making he's just obsessed with it.
2: Exactly, it's, very, it's very much like that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, again, because I'm dyslexic, I, I've never read any books, so it's all my references have always been about movies because I used to go and see so many movies, and, and that was one of them was that. And I just and I just thought it when I thought about that film, I just felt so much like that you know there's this thing where you just kind of feel like as I say I knew nothing about near death experiences and I thought it was any me it happened to so I but I just thought I've got to try and do something I was I was being led I was being sort of encouraged as it were to to pull this painting together and uh and so I started working on it and uh I was was apprehensive at first. I had this canvas leaning against the wall, and I thought, "I I got it." And I thought, "When do I start?" And uh, and then once I did, it all started coming together. You know, it just—I was being helped. I was channeling ideas through, which I still do now. And and I just knew that that wasn't me that was putting all that painting all those ideas onto that canvas it was coming from somewhere else and I was just so excited by this and it just felt fantastic and and it was just a you know, a beautiful experience and uh, and, and
0: you even manifested a, a studio to do this in
2: well but basically what happened was um, because I didn't know anybody at that point you know uh, some friends of my sisters came around one day and she, and they 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 own and run like a sort of um a, a yoga and pilates center and they came in and, and jane said to me oh when have you started that painting yet and i was going no i can't you know there's, I can't, it's, it's, there's not enough light in here or you're not enough space and she said well we've got a room up in our attic and we're not using it this week because we're, we're closed why don't you come and do it there and i was going okay so i took it in there and i just started of course i didn't finish by the end of that week but she turned around and said, Look, you can carry on, don't worry. I said, well, I thought you needed the room about. She said, We'll work around you. So I ended up staying there for two years, free of charge, no rent. You know. And I just painted prolifically. And, and uh, so, yeah, so, so it's a very special place and very special friends to me, obviously, now those two. And, uh, yeah,
0: so, yeah. <laughs> so everybody kind of got on board with your story when they saw just the, the miracles that were happening for you and the transformation. Um, sounds yeah. like people just came out of the woodworks to try to help you with it.
2: Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: Wonderful. And so putting your experience on canvas—did it feel like the same? I know these things were flowing through you, but did you look at this canvas and say, "Yeah, that's exactly what it looked like," or did it? Was it a little different somehow?
2: Yeah, it it, it was. It it came together really well. You know, there was no sort of like. Uh, there's was hardly any days when I go, Oh no, this isn't working and you know, this is all looking wrong and let's start again. It just developed each day and and I'd get to the stage where I'd literally stats at the end of what, each day I'd sit in in a chair and, and I'd look up and I'd go, Wow, look at that. And and that and that's when I knew to thank my guides. I used to look up and say, Thank you, thank you so much. This is this is amazing, you know. So I knew they were helping me and uh, so it was all channeling through. And um, yeah, and people used to come up as well. This is really lovely, uh, but who were coming into the centre for yoga and Pilates groups, and and I became known as the artist in the attic, you know. And so, and things, people would come up and say, "Oh, what, how's that? What's going on with these paintings?" So they want to know what it was, and so there was quite a lot of people who were fascinated by the whole spiritual aspects of it, and and, and so, uh, which was great because I, I got to know a cellist, uh, uh, and she was she was playing cello for the local orchestra. And uh, she said to me, oh, "Do you mind if we use one of your paintings for our next poster?" And I said, "Yeah, that'd be great." So, so she just used like a section of it for the poster and stuff. And uh, so we became really good friends. And um, I started—I was still going for spiritual healing. And uh, some of the healers uh, are mediums, and uh, they give me messages sometimes at the end, just just short ones. You know, that they were, they were picking up as they were healing me, and uh, but they were like something after. At one point, there's, there seemed to be uh, this common thing, that, thread that was coming through from various mediums, and they're saying, they're telling me that you're going to write some music. Why am I seeing a violin placed across your chest? I was going, I don't know. And then one of them said, well, you're going to write a piece of music about your experience. That's what they're telling me. I went, right. So I went back home, and uh, I couldn't play guitar anymore um, because, unfortunately, even though they saved my arm it was not saved well enough to be able to do that but that was fine because I got this old um cheap little synthesizer um it was uh, I pulled out the cupboard as it were (laughs) and I had that on the table and I thought I was going to be writing a three-minute song because that's all I'd ever known you know playing punk pop or whatever you want to call it You know, and uh so I was trying to write this song and it just wasn't happening it wasn't coming and uh the only thing that did come through was this was this one lyric and this for the chorus which i really liked and uh, and it was shine on and these words kept coming through shine on and uh so that stuck so and uh but that's course, as far as the title
0: at, of your book
2: that's the title of the book yeah i, I went because i thought that's got to be the title because it's this that that was coming through from spirit you know and yeah. um Anyhow, um, I was sat there in, in my apartment and I was just playing around one afternoon and this, this little chord progression, as, it, as you might say, came through. And I thought, wow, that's really nice. So I recorded it. I just got a little cheap cassette recorder at that point. And I just recorded it on that and then started developing in it. And I thought, well, actually, this is not going to be a three-minute song. This sounds like it should be played by an orchestra. So I spoke to my friend, the cellist, and we were having coffee together. She said, what have you been up to? And I told her about this, and she was very spiritual as well. And uh, she said, well, maybe we could play it one day in the orchestra, you know, and I thought, mm, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that encouraged me just to, again, have the same courage to, in the same way as when I was doing the paintings, to think, right, why not? Let's do it, let's write a piece of music for orchestra so I did so I developed it up and uh, my yeah. brother gave me this this package which I could attach to my my computer and he said like if you you plug this in you can have it and he said then when you play the the your music instead of recording onto a cassette it'll record it digitally and then it can if you want it can transform it as notation and so that's what I did and so uh, and then I got it all printed off, told my friend, met for a coffee with her, and she said, oh, this looks really good. And then, and then somebody else, at the, a couple of heads from the orchestra came and met, and they said, yeah, let's do it. Listen to that must have been amazing it was yeah it was it was one of the most beautiful powerful uh, experiences uh, for me that still stays with me now and the very first rehearsal that I walked into again just like the painting at first you know the, the only human I was totally there was apprehension of, is this going to work you know and uh, I walked in and I remember the conductor was there, and all this orchestra were rehearsing something else, and I just thought, oh, crikey, it's, it's quite daunting, you know, and um, he said, oh, the, con- the the composer's here, and I was going, composer, yeah,
0: where? where? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, 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 it's me, you know, and uh, then he, he said, David, would you like to say a few words about your piece, and I said, no, 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 that's fine, so, but he said, no, come on, so I did start talking, and when I looked at this orchestra, they were all very highly educated, you know, middle-class background, and I was coming from a working-class blue-collar background, and I thought, oh, you know, this is like, this is out of my, I'm out of my depth here, you know, and I just started talking about the piece, and because it was about my near-death experience, uh, which it was, sorry, I, must, I, should, I probably didn't explain that, but the piece was, again, it was about my near-death experience, huh. called The Divine Light, and, um so I started talking about it and they just were very captive and everyone was very interested to hear all about it, asking me questions and firing all sorts of stuff at me and funnily enough I knew I knew that they were helping me I knew I was being guided, that they were, my guides were just saying come on just take your time and just you know, be you and be, go for it and so I did And uh, and then I stepped back and then the first opening bars came in of, of the first movement, and it moves me in the same way as, as looking at my paintings. It was like it wasn't me; it was like listening to something else that somebody else had written. And it was this beautiful moment because it's like, wow, those—that's that, those few chords that I was just playing on that little synthesizer of that afternoon—is now this. Now it's this beautiful three-dimensional sound, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> amazing and so when this music came to you did it I mean it came to you after the session now I don't know if you know Dr. Eben Alexander who wrote Proof of Heaven um, he had experienced music in his near death experience and then he's devoted himself to try to re- find a way to recreate that music huh. did you hear music in your near death experience?
2: No, I did not actually when Never. I was in the near death experience itself um, yeah. but Again, when I, when I, um, I, what I've realized throughout the, my time since is that a lot of when you asked me earlier how I felt, with, did I miss being back in that place? I felt like a big part of me was still attached to it. Part of me was still there. You know, part of my soul was still in that place, and it feels like it still is as well. You know, there's, a, there's, there's this link that continues with you. So there's. I realized that there's, there was the knowledge and the intensity of the knowledge that I was learning when I was there at that point wasn't all coming through to me at that actual time. It was afterwards when I was here that, I, that the knowledge was starting to come through. So I realized that the music that I was, that I was um, uh, channeling and the artwork that I was channeling was, was coming through now it wasn't it wasn't what I'd heard or seen in the other side. You know, it was just kind of like it was it was just coming through. Now it was like it was like being given. It's, it's like I'm being given like a crash course in in the, by the best possible teachers there are. You know, it's it's um especially with the music. I mean, you know, I I didn't realize again. I went in with it with full courage, thinking right, I can pull this off. And yeah. I remember I spoke to because I, I I I wanted to have somebody sing the final movement. Sure. Because I want, I wanted to have some lyrics. Again, it was it was coming through from spirit telling me I was going to have someone sing the last part, and um, so I went to this guy who I, I knew was one of the best sort of tenor singers in in Cambridge, and um, and he he knew my parents. So I went to see him to see if he could recommend somebody to sing it. So I took the score along, and he said these chords you've got here, they're really unusual. He said, uh, you would never see, uh, I forget what it was, something like a, a C major with a, with a D flat or whatever, you know, together, no one would do that normally, but it works. I was going, oh, thanks, you know. He said, this is brilliant. And I said, well, I'm sure you've written plenty of stuff yourself. He said, no. He said, I, I would never attempt to write a symphony for orchestra. He said, I, I said, really? I said, why? He said, no way. He said, I just wouldn't have, i wouldn't know where to start. And uh, And he's like, you know he's classically trained and it's like, and a few of them have said that to me that they've never really approached that idea because it's, so it's, it's amazing how I was given this knowledge uh, and I don't, uh, now I, I, I realize just how remarkable the, the knowledge was that was coming through so, to be able to make me understand how various instruments work together, you know, because, uh, you know, people can go to universities to learn how to sort of, you know, study, composition in in classical music because it's a very complex thing but I don't allow myself to stop and think about it in those terms you know I don't get too, theor- too much into the theory of it in fact I don't at all
0: right absolutely and, and because it is pretty complex but you didn't we didn't know how hard it was going to be no. you know, what, <laughs> what, could, what could what could that that just makes me think what could we do if we didn't worry about not being able to do it
2: exactly yeah and and this mm. is it, you know. This this um, you know, when I think of me now and yeah. me before, previous, you know, that I I had no self confidence or or no self worth whatsoever, and you know, and a lot of that was knocked out of me basically at, at school because, as I say, because my failings, in not, there you go, failings, <laughs> that was their words, failings in, mm. you know, sort of uh, not getting the qualifications that I needed, and uh, mm. but um. So yeah, so it's um. But now my my life is something creative and three dimensional. Can use that word a lot. Don't I? But it's but it is, and um, purely because I've got that self confidence and self worth. You know, self love, and and that's the most important thing. I think all of us. You know, not all of us can take a bit of that, isn't it? There's, you know, there's nothing lost. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
0: So you described yourself before the accident as having failings, dyslexia, being kind of a loser. How do you describe yourself now?
2: Uh, um, Well, uh, fulfilled, basically. I'm I'm just fulfilled in in what I'm doing. And uh, I'd also say that I'm still very much... um, stuck to a kind of mission and plan if you like right from that first moment when i came back of thinking what why have they sent me back what is my goal what i still feel i've got this kind of sense of purpose to try and get across to as many people as i can uh what i experienced and 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 get it across to people that there's there's nothing to fear that that death is not the end you know that, that uh you know life just carries on the soul doesn't just switch off like a light switch you know it continues on to the to the next phase and the next phase is very beautiful and um so yeah so 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 there's a sense of um mission about me i guess but uh,
0: well then the topic of this episode is radiate self-love it sounds like that's this self-love has truly transformed you
2: yeah exactly
0: yeah. So very different um so in a so you've done, you started painting, of course, you started wanting to paint your experience and then moved on to symphonies. And not only did you didn't just make one painting or write one symphony. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just looking at some of these materials about your background, over 40 paintings and commissioned artworks. So yeah. people are asking and seeking you out, and yeah. then, in terms of the symphonies, um, you had the divine light, which had its premiere concert, which was completely sold out yeah. standing oh, wow. <laughs> wow wow, and then you 've had further classical pieces commissioned and premiered at sell out concert
2: yeah yeah, yeah. So i know it 's incredible isn 't it but it 's just again it's it 's just that kind of that one thing where you know, one person happened to be playing clarinet in in the, the Divine Light, or went back to a group that they were playing in, uh, and then they caught... the Yeah, there was one group called the Cambridge Clarinet Choir, and they were just literally a, a group of 10 players, and they're all different sized clarinets. I never knew there was all different clarinets, but there's a bass one, which is about six foot in length, and it sounds like an ocean liner coming into New York Harbour or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... they commissioned me to write a piece and um so again i thought i don't even know where i'm starting because i don't even know i went i went to to meet them and i said can i just see see, hear you all play can i see all the different instruments i'll get an idea and that was enough i went i went back and i did it i pulled it out of the bag and and wrote something for them and they wanted me to write something spiritual they said oh we'd heard after one of our members who played in the divine light that your piece was really beautiful and we'd like you to write something spiritual for us is that okay i was going to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great so, okay. so i did so um so yeah so that was also based on my on my near-death experience and so that was that was called, that's called awake so that was just that was just really lovely because you've got some beautiful harmonies coming out of these instruments and stuff so it was it was quite plaintive so it's really yeah so it's interesting
0: yeah. So, so you've you've taken on painting as a new career, and then yep. classical symphonies as a new career, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: and, and writing author authorship. That's, you've a, that's the
2: next. Yeah, that's the next stage. Wow. Yeah. So, which is interesting, you know, because again, when I was going to this, uh, when I first joined the spiritualist church, I used to go. You know, to them uh, services every sunday and after each service we'd have a, a, a guest medium would come from various parts of the country and do uh, what we call a platform here you know, and uh, stand up for half an hour and uh, and i was getting picked out nearly every week i think it's because i still got this very strong spiritual connection from the other side and so they were kind of like you know they, they didn't know who i was because these were people from different parts of the country so they didn't know and it was they were incredible and um so um uh, and i've forgotten exactly what i was gonna tell you it'll come back to me in a moment i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> <We'll
0: sort laughs> sorry, we'll
2: sort of
0: sorry. Uh, no sorry. worries um and so so like now now your life you're very connected with the other side you're connected with your guides mm. um you channel music art through them a book you channeled a book through them and so what what is your daily spiritual practice like with them or do you have one
2: um i don't sort of put no i don't have like a daily practice to be honest with you that's something that i've always felt comfortable with uh, by not needing to the only practice i have is weekly practice of going to um, um a spiritualist church to have spiritual healing so that's the one time where i actually know that that's my time uh, every Thursday evening I go there and that's where I connect and uh, I always call it being plugged into the mains you know to kind of feel like I'm really connecting with with spirit and all my guides full on and, and and with you know and the energy coming through from the healing is really really wonderful and really powerful so so that's my my only time that I actually do that uh you know um you know I, so it's all very spontaneous, basically. So if I connect with spirit, it's this when I need to, or it doesn't have to be anything big. It can be for something small that I'm concerned about or anxious about. I'll I'll connect with them and ask them and stuff, you know. Um, and so so yeah, so so that's how it works. And and I've remembered what I was talking about now. If, if you
0: please,
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, what it was? It was when you talked about the book that uh, <laughs> I was going to say that when I was going. Uh, and, and the mediums were, were turning around and picking me out each week. They were turning around, quite a few of them, saying, they're, what, they're telling me that you're going to write something down. And, you know, they're, they're showing me like a, a computer, a laptop and a keyboard and saying, you've got to start writing. And I just thought, oh, if only, if only, you know what I mean? I thought it's going to take me a lifetime. So, so I kind of put that one on the back burner and I just focused on all the music and the art. And then suddenly I thought, no, this is going to happen. This this story has got to come out. And it did, it just started coming together. Um, um, A friend of mine got in touch with me, who I've known for years, and we hadn't been in touch for ages, and so she said oh you know what's happening and and i talked about my story and wanted to write it she said well look let's get it together she said so she she, she said i'll ghostwrite it for you so that's what she did so she came in otherwise i would not have be been able to have completed a whole book on my own so so you know it's basically my story and and, and it's all written from my perspective it's on me but she's you know, managed to pull it together and, and and stuff and work with me. So that and so again, it all happened very organically. That you know, we you know, we were. Um, I was first of all, I was, I, I'd um, yeah, I decided to get in. I thought, well, let's try. I might get in touch with Raymond Moody, Doctor Moody, because, um, I I'd, when I I'd, the first near death experience painting I'd done. I sent an email to him because I didn't even know who he was or how big he was. I just looked through the internet at that point and I found him. I thought, oh, he studies, he just studies into near death experiences. I'll send him my painting. And he got back to me. He said, this is brilliant. This is a great painting. And I thought, by now, I knew just how big he was in the whole field of near death experiences. So I thought, well, maybe I'll send him a copy of the book now, see if he'll read it. And so, you know, I did do. And I heard heard nothing back at all. And then, like, a few months later his manager got in touch and said i've just come across your email here and and you know dr moody's gets so many he will have overlooked it but i just looked at your website and i just looked at the whole your artwork and your music and it's brilliant I'm, i know he's going to love this so can can you give us some more time he said, of course so he read it and uh his manager got back and said he loves it he thinks it's great and he said i think he's going to you know um um, write an endorsement for you for the uh, when it comes out. I said, oh, that'd be brilliant. So
0: endorsement,
2: yeah, and then yeah, well, he went from an endorsement. So then she said, actually, he's he's now saying he's going to write the foreword for it. I was going, brilliant. So 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 I I, I didn't use that at all to, to get any leverage out of uh, publishers because it, again, it just. This guy, a uh, guy, had uh, been handed it by. I'd been, I'd approached another publisher, and they turned me down. But they thought it was good. They just said it wasn't for them, and so they passed it over to this other guy at my publishers. And he read it through, and he said, "I love it," and I'd, I'd really like. To- take you on can I take it to to the meeting with with the rest of our team I said yeah sure you know and so they they said they said yeah straight away and so so that came in again very organically it wasn't something that I was like pursuing and chasing after and and so so yeah so all these things you talked earlier about you know I was being sort of supported by the community and stuff but I really believe that it's kind of it's it's like a, a bigger picture than that that it's i'm being supported by by my guides you know that they're helping to make these people step into my into my into my um pathway and stuff and and be there and be part of it a part of the journey and and stuff and i just didn't realize just how much you know Raymond Moody, he's a, such a lovely person and I, I just appreciate him for what he's worth as a, as a soul for what he's done and, and stuff. But obviously other people have turned around, I've done interviews, especially, you know, in the US and people say, wow, Dr. Raymond Moody, I mean, like he's the, you know, he's the big one, you know, and I go, well, yeah, but he's just an amazing person. He's just, I just, happy to have met him as, as a, as a soul you know <laughs> right yeah
0: right. just to have him write the forward was absolutely mm. wonderful um, you know of course he endorsed the book there are some other really wonderful endorsements that you've gotten of it um, so I, I can't wait for it to actually be out in the world June 26th 2020 yeah. we're t- trying to time this episode so that it comes out just prior to that launch date uh, do you have any right. big plans for the launch
2: I don't know what's going to be at the moment because obviously, you know, with with the whole thing with the COVID and the and the lockdown, it's changing by the day here. Just in, in entirely what we're going to be doing. So, I, first of all, I was planning that it was just going to be maybe would be a, a virtual <laughs> sort of Zoom uh, launch. But uh, do you know what? I, it's not something that I'm really thinking about that that much because I just kind of feel like. Uh, it's very hard for me to kind of go, yeah, yeah, the book's coming out, and, and it's like, yeah, let's have a big party. I just want to let it really, you know, it'll, something will happen and something will come together that day that, that will fit accordingly. Do you know what I mean? I'm not making any big plans to do anything with it. It's, it's getting very exciting. I mean, you know, you know, the you know, we're getting lots of lots of interest and people pre-ordering it and stuff which is great you know so 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 that, and that's sp- but in, in the us as well it's great there's a lot of people very interested there which is lovely And i met so many amazing souls just by doing interviews you know and, and, and i'm really saying that from my heart you know there's been some fantastic people that i've come across this has been a wonderful part of this journey you know because now i felt like my music and my art was speaking basically for me before i was doing interviews but not not to quite this extent whereas now i'm talking like to to the likes of yourself more openly about the whole thing and it's and and that's great because it's you know the power of of word is 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 now a a new aspect to sort of bringing the the story out there to everybody so Mm. yeah yeah
0: um, I did have a question about how your story may have changed your your circle. I know you had a couple of good mates that um, you know that were also manual laborers and yeah. you had your circle of friends and your family and everything. Did they accept the new David after your experience
2: um. My, well those two mates of mine I think they, they found it a bit you know they did but they but they, you know the gears were grinding a bit for them because they always knew me as I was before you know and just kind of like it's kind of it was a bit more like come on let's go and have a drink kind of thing and they could see that I wasn't I was no longer that person And but yeah they were they were good souls so they and they were just you know they really loved it but my family yeah um, it's interesting because um, they were very accepting of it and, and I I was scared of telling my, my parents actually about my near death experience at first because because of their their as I said earlier in the, uh, the conversation, because they'd gone to a Christian church, I just thought they're probably not gonna get this and they're not gonna believe it. Because I'd I'd actually met the the priest in the hospital and spoke he was one of the first People that I spoke to, and and I could tell that he wasn't getting it. He was just thinking, uh this isn't coming to my teachings. He more or less said that to me, you know, this. this you know. So, but, and I thought my parents are going to feel the same. But, so it took me a week to tell them. And, uh, but when I did, um, my mum, they just sat, my mum and dad listened through the whole story. And then my mother turned around and she said, yeah, we, we know. And I said, you know? I said, how do you know? And so I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, it's just that your dad and I have been saying whenever we come in, you're, you're on, in this bed that you can hardly move. You've got tubes coming out of you. You've got nurses around you. But you're just glowing. You've got this kind of energy that's giving out to people around you. And, then, and you just like it's like everyone who's around you, it's like you're helping them. Uh, and uh, and i said wow that's incredible you know? and it was interesting because other people used to come and say yeah you're really animated and things like that about me and so so yeah so from that moment onwards you know it was like right up until like my mom and dad are in the book you know because we did some decided to do some witness statements where i asked people i interviewed them and asked them what they thought about you know me and how how it changed my life and stuff like that. So my mother, uh, sadly she passed away last year. So it's really lovely to be able to look back on her words and what she said. And it was uh it's really, really beautiful. But but yeah, so they so they they've been very excited about it all and they really they really get it. And it's quite interesting because they they also said to me, I think my dad turned around and said, he said we never really talk about the afterlife in church, you know, because I asked him about this. said, you talk about things like this in, in the Christian church? I said, no, only, only Jesus, you know, about Easter, you know, about, you know, the, the, you know, the Reformation stuff or whatever. And, but, uh, no. And so, so it, was, it was interesting. So for them, it was, it's lovely. And it was lovely to be able to give that. That's, um, right. The story though.
0: is not counter to Christianity. It doesn't negate anything. um It doesn't, you know, it's not, yeah, it's, it's just not counter to Christianity. I mean, you definitely saw God. You were surrounded by beings. We could call them angels. We can call them guides, but there's nothing that is you know negating anything about christianity
2: oh no no not at all i mean i mean don't get me wrong i mean i don't you know I, i've walked into my parents church a couple of times when i've taken them in and out and, and everybody in there they're just really they are lovely souls and they what they're they're all aiming towards the same thing as me you know and uh, which is which is god and, and christ and 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 stuff but you know but it's just it's just a different way it's just like all religions you know they've all just got different methods of 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 prayer and and, right. and that's their faith and so I respect it but it's just a different thing it's just uh the, the one thing about my faith is uh, is that I don't feel like there's any rules basically just you know I mean there's no sense of you know there's no sense of feeling like as I said earlier that you're not worthy and that you're that you're praying from a lower level and you know it's, we're all loved we're all very loved souls and I think that that needs to come across more and that's what my own faith is that's what I find when I go to healing when I come out I just feel like I've walked out of there feeling like I've been given lots of love and mm-hmm. unconditional love just like I was when I was being healed when I was in in the other plane you know so
0: mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's certainly a beautiful story. And I can tell that it's really transformed you quite a bit. I'm just so grateful that you were able to take this experience and bring such beautiful things into the world. And this message of self-love, this message of, of peace, this message of, of hope, this message that we are all loved. It's thank you thank you
2: you're welcome Uh, thank you for having me along it's been a
0: pleasure (laughs) um so i wish you much success much luck with this book as it's coming out and um i'll definitely be looking looking for it to appear um Online. yeah
2: yeah sure please do yeah am I allowed to mention the website so people want
0: to yeah. have a look? Yeah, fantastic <laughs> you,
2: I, I, I never want a hard sell but I am doing. <laughs> so yeah it's, it's um if, if people want to go to my website it's basically shine on the story.com so if you go there and you'll find everything on there you'll be able to stream the divine light for free you can listen to the music and and then you can look at the paintings and you can go to links for my you know other things like the book you know the, the, there'll be a thing you can click on there and link wherever you are in the world and you'll be able to um, order it pre-order it there you know through work, work, whichever like amazon and stuff like that all those different things so you can pre-order it there and uh shine yeah, on so please come and have a look on there shine on shine on the com. yeah 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 so, that's
0: yeah. fantastic <laughs> Yes. Well, thank you, David. Thank you for for meeting with me today. It's been so such a pleasure. I, I just uh, adore your story. So thank oh, you thank so you. <laughs>
2: Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.
1: Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area, dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com.